Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Cool. So 2020 planning and uh, team growth. Yeah, what I'm dealing with now is that um, having a smaller company, you know, we were... 20, 30 people. And now we're growing and growing to like 40, 50. And, uh, we, you know, break, you broke from the traditional one engineering team to the two teams, to the squads, you know, you kind of, kind of going through that. Um, so how, uh, how big are you guys now? now. How, how many squads? I think we're at like 40 something people wise. And, um, we had a proposal for three squads. Um, right now we're kind of in two, but still kind of in one. It's like, we're trying to like break it out because we need the hiring. We need the engineer talent to then break it out. And so right now we have the PMs, we have the designers, we have some of the individual contributor engineers, but we don't necessarily have that third um, leg stand on the, on the tripod of the, the leadership team for the squad. So um, we kind of filled that role traditionally with a tech lead but in that case, you know, they're doing more product work in terms of helping the product team out and less coding, and we needed them to do more coding. And so then the engineering manager role becomes very prevalent and useful and needed. And so we're kind of, but we're also balancing as a startup budget and, you know, new role expectations. And, and, and so I think with that, like we're, we're trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out how to best position that EM role as like a critical piece in the topology and how we kind of should hire into that and how that's going to drive the success of the squad methodology. Um, so working through that, um, you know, team tech leads don't want to be that person for product. They just want to code. And so yeah. it's kind of like, which, which totally makes sense. And so, but then right now the product managers are, you know, needing to kind of lean more technical than they traditionally would if you had that counterpoint or that EM to kind of help scope or, you know, look at feasibility and, and kind of do that thing. So I'm curious to see how that works out with you guys and how, you, what your experience was well, with it. But. Well, so it, traditionally, like I would say 2022 planning, it, It'll, you know, it's funny, the bigger the company, the longer the planning takes, right? I think mm-hmm. we spent almost, you know, two thirds of Q4 planning for 2020 and, and updating the strategy and everything else. And, and in this case, I think top line as a company, our strategy is not really changing as much as we're just refining the process, Yeah, which is fine. Um, you know, kind of down to, to my level, you know, down to, you know, um, where we're planning on our team it's really just about figuring out what's the balance between the risks and the known wins or like, you know, the assumed wins that you'll get and how do we make a good plan between them in particular, you know, we're kind of in this place where we've just undergone a huge amount of hiring and, you know, a lot of the positions actually are filled. Like I don't have any open roles on, um, on any of our teams. Like we kind of are there. I was actually just getting ready to send out like a, an email about Q3 and Q4 OKRs to our growth leadership team and realizing that that's all of 22 people now and just being like, whoa, okay, there's a lot of people in here to do things with. Um, But yeah, overall, I just, you know, kind of as we got through into that process and start looking at 
2022, I'd say the most like critical piece is making sure everybody feels like they've got, like they own a piece of that strategy and that it originated organically from them rather than just like, oh yeah, it came from the top down and hope y'all are good with it. Uh, have fun. And, and do right, you're, so you're driving that accountability, that ownership on the individual squads as a, you know, a buy into it. Yeah. I'm curious how, what, what strategies are you using to actually um, instill that uh, ownership? Well, Jake, since he's just joined the call can probably dive into that, but he set up a, a pretty good, I think, kickoff at the beginning of the week that was just, Hey, we're doing 2022 planning. Here's some thoughts and a document. Please meet up with your teams and say, what's great about it and what sucks about it and do your own thing. And we'll come back together and do that. So taking that, you know, initiative, we sat down with our entire group. I put together a Miro board, just said, Hey, play some stickies. Let's start talking about strategic elements, things we want to achieve, like outcomes we want to deliver. And that's the first pass that I took at getting people involved. But Jake, I don't know if you want to jump in there a bit more. Yeah, I mean, you basically summed it up. I think one of the things we tried to do is um, kind of a product leadership team is is coordinate and, and sync on a couple of the core ideas first and get those down on paper to your point. And then, yeah, we just basically did an RFC process, throw it out there and be like, what do y'all think? Like this thing is a super rough cut, but hopefully the, the core ideas are, are coming through pretty clearly. Um, and then we what just level of granularity do you go in on that uh the the core ideas not much it yeah. like my my vision for it was to paint just the broad picture and essentially what it was was just telling the story of what's happening right now with a lot of the the big pieces that are in motion at the company like put this all in perspective help me understand is is kind of the the question as trying to answer them through the whole process. And so now it's a matter of, all right, you're doing client experience or you're doing browser extension e-com or you're doing kind of the core legacy apps. Like what does that mean for you and from your perspective and really just trusting the subject matter expertise to shine through from, from various folks around the team, but really just trying to say like, here's the big picture product strategy. Now y'all need to go in and fill the details. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think that's one um, so, of the things that yeah. you have to coach people against is getting too prescriptive early on in the flow. Right. Because I, I found a, a lot of people were starting to just dive into the, oh, well, we should build exactly this, or it should be this initiative right. or that thing. And it's like, no, 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 no. We need to take like three or four steps up and we need to think about like, don't be prescriptive because if you're trying to lock yourself into that box, like that's not really where strategy is. It's more about being thematic and trying to understand where the gaps in your ability to execute are and where the, uh, and I think it got to your point about team, Kevin, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what hiring do we need to do? What hiring have we done? Do we have the right amount of people? Do we have too many people? You know, how does that all work? So you start with that kind of, yeah, I like that. I mean, you're starting with the big picture. You have those bounds, those creative bounds, those uh, constraints. Technically, you have the outcomes that you're trying to drive. You align with leadership team. Then you kind of kick that off with the individual teams and have them kind of get that lower, the 
high fidelity granularity on the, the plan in order to execute. Um, that that yeah. instills the accountability, the ownership. And then also, as you kind of talk through it more, you get some feedback from your teams. You kind of fill out that topology if you have any gaps. Yeah, I think for me, it's just, I mean, at the product strategy level, it should be pretty vague. Like some people have, have given feedback of like, well, we need a little bit more detail in here on what we're going to do and why. I'm like, I don't know if we really do. Like that's kind of your job is to connect those dots. That's why you're here. Mm, yeah. Um, now I think there's, there's, there's a fine balance between the two, but it's almost like when we're talking about the product strategy for the entire org, where there may be multiple business units and multiple things happening, it has to be vague by definition. Um, and then there's just kind of, I think a process from here where, yeah, you have different teams working on different parts of it and adding granularity where, where appropriate. So like at Ibotta, you may have kind of this overarching product strategy doc, which is more or less a summary of what's going on. And then you've got all the different directors who are then taking that and saying, okay, for my particular part of the org, what does that mean? How does my group ladder up to that, impact that, move that thing forward? Um, it's, I think, a little bit different than how we've done it before, but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. Lou, what do you think? Different? Similar? I mean, the I think it's, we've been evolving, I think, the strategic planning process since I arrived. I mean, it's probably been a constant annual piece where it originally was pretty top down. I think now what we're trying to do is just say, hey, look, you guys know how to impact these metrics the best. And, you know, let's go with that. In, in a particular case, I think what we're trying to do is really just make everybody feel like they truly have the autonomy that we tell them that they should have. And I think that's one of those critical pieces, like a good strategy and a good product strategy isn't just about what we're going to build. It's about how we're going to create a good team, how we're going to create a good culture, how we're going to you know, bring everybody along for the ride and ultimately make people feel empowered. And I think at a, at Ibotta, at times, that's something that we've struggled to do because it can be pretty easy for, you know, anybody to just kind of be like, nope, we're, we're doing this. Like, you know, we're going that direction and, you know, boom, all of a sudden the autonomy of incredibly highly capable people is just gone. And that is both sad for the business and for the person. So I think, yeah, how you know, do you, I guess you guys are going through that. Like it, it is an ever evolving, you know, thing that we continually improve on and work on, but how do you guys remove move from that kind of centralized management framework to this kind of like empowered autonomous model, like where you kind of give them that empowered control. Like what, what have you guys done in the past that have you've seen that success happen? Get out of yeah, the way. Get out of their <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I think with some element of guardrails, right? Like, yeah, if you totally yeah. get out of everybody's way everyone's working autonomously in the truest sense of the word, and they're not really working together. They're doing their own thing, um, which has its pros and cons, but I don't know. I think the, the preference would be to have everyone collaborating in some shape or form within their various domains. So I think from my perspective, there's this element of like, what's the vision? What, what are the goalposts look like? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then are there a couple parameters that we should be thinking about? Like, where's the out of bounds lines? Where's like midfield or whatever? okay, cool. We have those. 
get out of my way and let me play and let me figure it out on my own. So I think that finding that balance, I think is really the hardest part, at least in my experience, it's like how much direction do you give without being too prescriptive? And then how do you still make sure though, that people have the direction that they need so that they have some sort of incentive and idea of how to work together. I think that kind of gets to the point about it's almost on a per role per person basis is kind of one of the things I've figured out, especially with like onboarding and looking at different people, right? There are some senior PMs who you can kind of step back and say, no, you tell me like what strategy things we need to be doing because you're fully capable and we're leaning in on you to do that. At the same time, there's also, you know, PMs who are younger or newer to the space and their scope and field of vision is you know, three months of what's ahead of them. So how can, you know, you really trust that, you know, that person's going to see the bigger picture. And so with them, like you kind of have to provide a little bit more guidance and a little bit more diligence. And so I think that's kind of like the part there too, is like recognizing that different people will contribute in different ways and finding the most optimal way for them to contribute to that, um, you know, to the strategy. Yeah. I love that, Lou. I, I, I love the idea of just yeah, d- different people are going to need different things, whether they're newer in their careers or newer to the company. It's interesting with this kind of request for comment process that we've got going on right now, if you will, um, that makes it sound really bureaucratic. No, it's basically just a Google Doc with a bunch of people commenting in it. Um, it it's interesting to see who's super active in there and who isn't. Um, and I think a lot of that that falls along the lines of experience or tenure or both at the company. Um Kevin, I'm curious, how are you approaching this in your world? Um, yeah, I mean, I, similar, similarly, but I think at, at a smaller scale, um, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, we've, we've done this thing called the product pillars document, which is essentially you kind of, uh, you know, your big vision, your mission, your, you have your constraints, you have kind of some uh, short-term milestones or product pillars that we want to go and accomplish. And then we have some initiatives based on that. We kind of approached it initially from the, bottom up where, you know, the leadership team had a list of initiatives in mind and we worked backwards to the vision, mission, uh, milestones and objectives, because it's just an easy way to kind of get that, extract that from your head. Uh, and then when you have that laid out, it, you know, we've done that in at the end of H1 and now we need to revisit that for Q4 and Q1. Um, and so, I think most of the things that I'm seeing remains the same, the mission, vision remain. It's those um, pillars that might change a little bit, those strategic pillars. And so it's really the next step for me is getting that big picture alignment with the leadership team. Hey, is this right? Are we on the same page? Is that high level objectives and goals right? Does that sound right? Um, And then I think painting that in a way, like you guys said, that is less prescriptive and more um, directional, giving them the goalposts or giving them the out of bounds and what have you. Then what I would do next, and like, I like what you guys did with the kicking off the teams and, and RFC kind of process. Like, um, it's kind of like that W model, um, of feedback, right? You kind of give it to the team. They provide feedback back. You then revise, you then pre- represent and then final feedback. And then you, you sign off and move on. Um, and so I think that, encourages empowerment and ownership because you're giving them the opportunity to have their voice being heard. And then they're bought in on the solution day one or the, the approach, not the solution um, to, to what you guys are going to go do in that quarter. So I think, 
I like that model. So we'll probably do something like that. But we're at this balance right now is we we have a big client that we're kind of closing in on. And it's, if you remember the Ibotta days, was it 3.0 or I can't remember what dot six dot oh or something where it was like the uh, eliminating the receipt scanning or it was like this big cross company project that it was like very prescriptive and executional like we're in that right now and and you know we know that that's not an ideal space to be in and so we're trying to uh, recalibrate once this is over the finish line which will be in like a week so i think after that week we'll have this time to then plan and then go off and do our things, but that's kind of where we're at in the process and what I plan on doing. But I think from the leadership perspective is really like, there's no VP of product above me. Like I am that person. And so I am building the strategy plans of like, we're going to brainstorm. We're going to do this. We're going to do this, this, right. And like, that's not set out in stone yet. So um, that's new to me, but uh, it's exciting challenge, you know? But yeah, I'm the captain now. <laughs> Maybe just like in, in the last couple of minutes, one of the things I was thinking about here is like, you know, we kind of talked about how, you know, we're bringing people along kind of for the ride. One of the things maybe I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on is like, what is also some coaching that we can provide for people, you know, for our direct reports who are going through this process for the first time, maybe the second time or hell, even the third, you know, what's some, some guidance that you would give them to say, hey, here's how you navigate these waters during the strategic planning time. Yeah, I think for me, probably the best thing and the hardest thing about this time of year is taking a step back and removing yourself from the day-to-day and removing yourself from what you're building and what you're thinking about and just try to piece the whole picture together. Um, and it's, it's an opportunity for people to think big who don't spend a whole lot of time thinking big, perhaps, um, depending on, on what they're working on and how long they've been at the org and where they are in their careers. Um, so for me to, to get there, it's asking a lot of questions and trying to ask open questions and try to pull information out of people and help them just get to conclusions and thought spaces on their own, but guide them there um, through, through open questions. I like that. You, you see the forest for the trees, right? Exactly. Like take yeah. a step back every once in yeah. a while. and Let's look at the forest. Yeah. yeah. How do you encourage that? Like, do you carve the time out? Do you like, what is the best use to, cause you kind of have to like make it a forcing function, right? Like yeah. it has to be, Hey, this is planning week or today we're doing this. Right. I think for me, I don't know, just given kind of the size of Ibotta at this point, I, I can't go to everyone and say, let's spend an hour together. So I think it becomes a little bit more process oriented, a little bit more deadline oriented as well. It's like, Hey, here's mm. what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's the next step. Here's what we need from you over the next X days or weeks or whatever the case may be. And then we have like, and there are a bunch of people around the product org who can go facilitate that plan and get bought into that plan. And, and hopefully it's, it also just takes like Lou and I out of the equation, honestly. And it just puts the onus on other people to proactively engage with the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's one bit of coaching too that like beyond that of how you get them there that I think is also critical is just getting people to understand that having like having a voice doesn't just mean that like I said a thing and it became my, and it became my way. It's more about 
I think coaching people to assume ownership regardless of where the idea comes from. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a critical piece to this step. And I think it's a critical piece in a lot of product management journeys. Understanding that I don't have to be the one who comes up with the best ideas, but I do have to be the one who can champion in them, champion them, lean into them, and actually execute them and put my own spin on it when the opportunity comes. How so what what advice would you give to someone that does not have that mindset to get into that mindset? It's going to sound sad, but the first thing I'd say is it's just a job. And I don't want to say it that way, but like the reality is like take a step back and understand that like to be great at doing your product management job, this is part of that is being able to take that step. And it's not your, and it, you don't have to worry about your identity as a PM going away. You don't have to feel so like attached mm-hmm. to it. And it is hard. I mean, I, we went through this recent thing uh, with another company buying that, you know, buying some technology and bringing it into the platform. And for me, it was just like, yeah, I fundamentally have to shift how I view this product and I can decide to sit here and resist and be mm. and do whatever for whatever reasons I have. Or I can just say, yeah, I'm going to get on board the, the party train and you know what, I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to make it the best that it can be. And I think that's the way to you know pull it. I feel like that's just such a fundamental conflict for product people. Yeah. Like internally, right? Like we get so attached. That could be its own episode here. (laughs) Yeah. You get so attached and you get so invested in what you're working on. And then there comes a time when you have to give it up and you have to say goodbye. It's like, I don't know. I don't have kids, but I would imagine sending a kid off to college, right? Like you just got to let it go and let it, and let it, let it be its own thing. And you got to detach a little bit uh, in some ways too. So yeah. How do you, how do you do that? I think is a really hard thing to reconcile. Yeah. And I, think, I think awareness, right. The first thing about that is that I like what Lou said about, am I resisting or am I championing? Yeah. Like, is that the, yeah. like, where's my mindset today and how can I change that? When it's windy, some people build walls, some people build windmills. There you as go. A wise person once said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think but, that's, I think that's the main point, right? That's, of all the things that the strategic planning process does, it forces you to reconsider and rethink about everything that you've gone through over the course of the year and your ability to look at that and look at that in a way without judging yourself or judging others is I think one of the most efficient ways that you can use your time. Yeah. Yeah. I think the piece of of advice that I would give is tell the story of your product. Can you put it into a story? Like this is the time to do that it's the time to take a step back and really just tell a narrative. Why is this important? Who's this for? Why is it important now? And how's it going to move this whole organization closer to its mission? Um, and if you can't tell that story, that's kind of telling it itself. Are you working on the right things? And does that story jive with the broader narrative of the company? Um, to me, that's, that's really the whole purpose of this planning process. Um, so yeah, that's what I would think about. Well, thank you guys for um, sharing your thoughts. And uh, um, for our listeners out there, um, if you have any feedback or suggestions on this and or future ideas, please reach out. Um, you can always email us or um, reach out over social. Um, rate, review, subscribe, all the fun stuff. And looks like we finished up our coffee, so go level up. <laughs>